You're listening to Guilty Mixtape. I'm Matt Bogart, and as always, I am joined with my co-host, Steve Long. Steve, what's going on? I am uh, scared right now. Because, How come? Uh, I think I think a biblical flood has uh, has commenced outside. It's a good thing we started this cult. Agreed. We only have a few members. It's fine. But, you know, if this, if this doesn't do us in, I have a... Well, before I get to the news, uh, on today's show is Vinyl Me Please co-founder... Tyler Barstow, and Vinyl Me Please is a subscription music service, but unlike Tidal, which I'm sure you listen to Lemonade nonstop, Steve, I did, and unlike Spotify, uh, Vinyl Me Please is a, um, they send you a new vinyl record every month, and it's carefully curated, it's a brand new, is it a, uh, it's a, like a limited release kind of thing, it's a limited pressing, limited pressing, it's whatever it is that makes you sound fancy at parties. That's what Vinyl Me Please is. That's and right. uh, Tyler started that company with uh, some other guy named Matt and his now wife, Esther. Uh, they're a bunch of chumps. Tyler is the only one we like right now. That's true. Well, uh, we, had, we, had, we had a connection, I think, which was nice. Like, we, throughout the interview, I think, we, like, we gained a, a deeper appreciation of Tyler. Yes, and uh, spoiler alert, we're now on the board of Vinyl Me Please. It's a lot like Silicon Valley this season. Uh, <laughs> but before we get our conversation with Tyler, I have some news. Um, our last episode was with, um, well, not our last episode, our, uh, the episode before our last one was with Barry. Yes. And, um, he got back to me and we, uh, well, I am actually going to be on, uh, iHeartRadio. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have my own hour on iHeart. That's amazing, dude. Yeah, it's been you know, I really liked being here, but this just kind of came along. That's that's kind of it's kind of low, dude. It's well, kinda... I what did you want me to do? Talk to you about this beforehand? Uh, I figured I'd make the announcement here. On the really, yeah, that's 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 a low blow, dude. Why? I mean, I I get that you wanted to like surprise me, surprise the audience, but um, what? They can't. They can't add me either. It's I just, don't know, man. You. Look, wow. I. You saw the bright lights of iHeartRadio, is what you did. Yeah. Wow. I know you, this was your. This show was your idea, but like. Right. So you had your own. That's you know you and Barry just. Uh, that's. Wow. I'm in shock. That reminds me of a scenario. What kind of scenario? There's a there's a a, a spat on the, on the uh, the airwaves if you will um kelly ripa was blindsided by her uh, co-host too that's funny are you saying blindsided because like that football movie blindsided and michael strahan used to play football i was trying to make a connection could you imagine a snickers commercial where it's like you're acting like a real kelly ripa and then michael strahan comes and like tackles the hell out of her <laughs> i can't imagine that he's always like you don't act the same when you hungry I like how sassy my uh, Michael Strahan is. That was a very sassy Michael yeah. Strahan. Grab was... a Snickers. <laughs> you do know that uh, he at one time owned a home in Montclair, in beautiful Montclair. Oh, Jersey. beautiful Montclair, New Jersey. Um, I don't blame him. I'd if I was Michael Strahan, I'd own two. I, one he might he might have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One in downtown and one overlooking, um, you know, Montclair on the very top of the hill next to. The satanic card shop. Of course. I mean, that's pro he's probably an investor. 
in that. Have you show. have you seen him around Montclair? Never seen him around. He, no. He was one of those guys that rumor has it he he just owned a house here. He never really hung around. So I like how that's a rumor. Rumor he owned a house, but rumor has it that's all he did. That's all he did. He didn't go. He didn't go to the satanic card shop. He, he didn't hang out with Steve Steve Colbert. He didn't, uh, he didn't hang out with Steve Colbert. He didn't get pizza at um. What's the Al's, Al's. Al's. He didn't go to Al's Pizza. He didn't get the birds of prey pie. Ever. Yeah. Um. Sad. But you know what? That's just that's just how he did things. Yeah. Blindsided Kelly Ripa the same way it blindsided <sighs> you. Do you think that's a bullshit call on his part? Yeah, absolutely. I mean. It's funny is that I remember, and I don't follow this stuff very closely, mind you, but I do have my moments of, I'll watch CBS this morning because I like Charlie Rose. So I'm watching CBS this morning and I remember flipping through, you know, GMA and every once in a while I see, okay, Michael Strand's making his his way in there. And I remember reading some really stupid People magazine article about Kelly having reservations about him being a co-host. And he's like, oh no, it's just, you know. It's just when did you read this quote unquote stupid people magazine? Probably at a a before a doctor's appointment. I'm just gonna throw it out there. Like, how many years ago? (laughs) It was probably two, two years ago. Okay, (laughs) that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, it was a while. It was a while. But and our sponsor this month is People Magazine. Uh, make sure to put in the promo code guilty mixtape. That's right to get like um, seven free issues or whatever. I think so. Yeah, anyway, that that. Please don't do that because it's not real. Go on, Steve. You were reading the stupid issue of People Magazine. Yeah, we're trying to court as a sponsor. I know sorry. about how um, amazing, amazing article by the way. Yeah, how they're not jiving. Yeah, well, and so she had worried about this. She had she had laid this out there, and um, I I know for a fact that um, you know she's she's been around for a long time. In fact. Uh, Regis Philbin kind of blindsided her too when he was stepping down. He didn't get the deal that he wanted, and so there was a big to do there. So she's already been like kind of guarded. So I, you know, I think Strahan owes it to her. He owes her a huge apology, and, and I think, um, I think he should grovel on his. Uh, even though when he's groveling, he'll be about her height, but he should be groveling uh, for forgiveness. He'll that's, get in a three point stance and grovel. That's that's fine. I think I think that's only right. I think it is kind of um excuse me. Um I keep burping. I think <laughs> I think it's it's it was really classless to do what he did, which yeah. is why I did it to you. Um Oh yeah, I mean you you were inspired, I'm sure. Oh yeah. It's just like you do it on live to hey, yeah. if it's live don't 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 pull out any specials. You know what I mean. Don't do anything crazy to throw someone off. But I did like how she took off the next few days. Yeah, she was just like, you know what? Fuck, Fuck this. Fuck. I I am not coming into work, <laughs> which was a boss move. Super boss, and 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 also, um, better for her in the long run because she probably would have been emotional the next day, and could have said things she didn't agree with. She had time to process it. And you know maybe she maybe she wanted to punch him in his face, and so she. Just I realized, would pay to see that. I would. I would too. <laughs> well, what's sad is filling Regis Philbin's shoes. Like again, it's Regis. Like he is. He still to this day was my favorite Dave Letterman guest. Like repeatedly, there's some classic like moments. So Strand coming in already like had like you know some some skepticism when he showed up, but I thought you know. I saw him, you know, on uh, the 
football Sundays on Fox, and I've seen him do even the GMA stuff time to time. He's he's great. He's great on camera. He's a really personable guy. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know who they're going to find to replace him. You probably. I'm sure you've already put your name in the hat since you've already iHeartRadioed it out of here. Yeah, so. I'm I'm really good on camera. <laughs> and you and Kelly are pretty close. Too. Yeah, I think Kelly would like me because she would look even thinner. <laughs> She's like, please, get that giant ball here. <laughs> giant hairy ball of a man. <laughs> put him next to me. That's right. She'll just glow. Yeah, she'll just wear like a pinstripes or whatever. She's very thin. Super thin. Super thin. Do you think that's why she likes Strahan so much? Because he's just a very tall man? Could be. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Ex-athlete? Yeah. Yeah. Who would you replace me with, Steve? Who? Hmm. Let me think. I think I would go... Let's go on the edge. Let's go on the edge and go with... Um... Does it have to be somebody known? Could be known... anyone. Could be anyone. They have to be alive. That's the only stipulation. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think talking about guilty pleasures. Hmm. Could go so many different directions with this. I would replace you with um Barry Longo. Really? That's that's who you're picking? Yeah. He was great. You could pick anyone. He's gonna pick Barry. He was great. He's a great interview. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna say it out. I'm. I'm gonna. You're really gunning for that iHeart position, <laughs> you son of a bitch. I, I, no, I just. <laughs> I just think he was great. Okay. Now, if I end up competing with your time slot and or the next time slot after you, that's that's just that's how it rolls. All right. Well, do you have another pick or no? <laughs> um, a serious pick. Let me think. Um, I would say, who would be a good host? trying to think of something off the wall it's just not coming to me all right it's not there's just nothing matchstick man no i know i know exactly who it would be nicholas cage oh that's a good pick right that's just a good pick yeah didn't he get in a fight with like eddie vetter or someone recently he got it <laughs> uh, not eddie vetter it was um the singer of motley crew no, I have to search. No, those. oh, Vince Neil. Vince Neil. Yeah, it was Vince Neil. It was. But they were like, did you see? They were like drunk fight. It was like he him got being him in like, like a weird headlock. Yeah. Yeah. But he'd be amazing. He'd be an amazing co host because one, he probably wouldn't show up half the time because <laughs> you just don't know. And two, I feel like, doesn't he like, isn't he known to like go into like these like Elvis trances where he like believes he's Elvis for like short periods of time? Isn't that isn't that what he that does? That sounds like an adult swim show. <laughs> Nicholas Cage transfixed to become Elvis. Two hours of the day. It's like a El- Elvis werewolf. That's that's exactly it. I, I feel like he would show up with like the full sparkle regalia. Oh yeah, like Vegas style, and just do the whole show as Elvis. And Good idea, me, dude. Ratings galore. Mm-hmm. In fact, I don't even need a heart radio with that. Like literally, we just rule the internet with that. <laughs> Well, good luck to you guys. <laughs> good luck to you. Uh, I would probably choose, because you didn't ask, which is why nice. we're in this Kelly and Michael situation. Um, Don Rickles. Interesting. Because that man would not have any idea about pop culture, but he would insult everyone. Yep. 
And uh, what would my second pick be? Plus, Rickles would just, I mean, he just relentless in every guy. He would just rip him a new one. Oh, yeah. Everyone. It'd be great. And he's how old now? He's got to be in his 80s. Oh, yeah. Easily. Okay. He, I would say mid to late 80s. Man. Now, speaking of Regis, him and Rickles have had some like classic interviews over the times. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. Me and Rickles, I follow his career closely, man. Sorry. I like how you preface with me and Rickles, as in you and Rickles have a relationship. Like, yeah, we used to, um, I don't know. play stickball in, uh, you know, the uh, west side. (laughs) Have you ever played stickball? Never. That is one dumb game. I've heard heard things. Have you ever seen someone play stickball? Yeah, no. Some movie. I don't know if it was actually Gangs of, not Gangs of New York. What's the one that Joe Esterhaz wrote that was, like, terrible? Is that the one with Kevin Bacon? It might be. Oh, and like it flashes back to Kevin Bacon's like boyhood. Exactly. And like they're involved in some weird crime. Yes. Oh shit, what's it called? If that even is the movie. Yeah, I think so. Let's see if it comes up here. I do like that you know the director's name. Oh yeah. Golden Raspberry. Yeah, we know that one. What's the one after? Telling Lies in America. That is not the one I'm talking about. Damn it. You're thinking of the <laughs> You're thinking of the one where there's the, all the boys witness a crime, aren't you? No, that that's another Kevin Bacon movie. <laughs> um, this one has to do with like a, a carriage or like a child. You're thinking of Mystic River. Oh, yeah. Not Mystic River. <laughs> you know what? I, I was just going to say, <laughs> let me pull up Kevin Bacon's IMDb. <laughs> Meanwhile, that dude's been fucking everything. He's been in so many things. They made a game about it. They sure did. Pull it up. You'll find it. It came out in the 90s. Yeah. It's going to bug me. Apollo 13, that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> they play stickball in that one? Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, Telling Lies in America had a stickball scene. I don't know how many other... We should look up. We should look into this. How many films have a stickball scene? We should make a website about it. <laughs> <We should. laughs> I already did. It's a Tumblr. <laughs> stickballfilms.tumblr.com Maybe Kevin Bacon isn't in it. Oh, Wait. In uh, Apollo 13? No, he's in Apollo 13. I was going to say. The stickball movie I'm trying to figure out. (laughs) Joe Esterhaas. Shit, I don't know the movie. Oh, Sleepers. Oh, That's what it is. Okay. There's a stickball scene in that? I think so. Holy shit. Okay. There we go. All right. Well, this is the last uh, episode because <laughs> I got a other contract in the works, but... Yeah, man. I'm back wishing to, a lot of luck. Back to business. Tyler Barstow, uh, one of the co-founders of Vinyl Me Please is on, and you can follow Vinyl Me Please on Twitter, at Vinyl Me Please, and Tyler at Tyler Barstow, and check it out. It's vinylmeplease.com, and here's our conversation with Tyler. Tyler's company is like a birch box for records, right? Each month you send a new record to subscribers. Yeah, so every month we we work with one group. Uh, We do an exclusive pressing or repressing of one of their albums, Um, and we pair that up with a cocktail recipe and a custom art print. So we'll go out and find an artist that we really love, send them the record, have them listen to it, and 
have them do an inspired art piece of some kind. And so everybody gets a 12 by 12 uh, print of that as well in a box. So all that shows up to your door every, every month. So everybody gets a copy of the same record. Now, you said cocktail recipe? Yeah. That's correct. Go. <laughs> How did the idea of a cocktail recipe and an album come about? <laughs> Dude, that's a great question. A long, long time ago, uh, when we met Cam, who is now head of label relations, he was our head of marketing for a while. Uh, he used to have a, a blog called Vinyl and Cocktails. We found them. We met them over Twitter, actually, um, a, few, a couple months after we started Vinyl Me Please. And they started helping us out with a few things and one of them was they started they were they had a blog where they just paired cocktail recipes with records and uh, we actually just had them start doing that for us in exchange for cross promotion so we both they were bigger than us for sure um, at that time but we did some cross promotion and then we started paying cam as soon as we could which was like that fall or something so all that to say yeah. that's where the idea came from and we tested it out for six months and our folks liked it so we kept it yeah What's the most interesting of these uh, cocktail and records recipes that you could think of off the bat? The one that he came up with for Super Ape last summer, I know is really good. And then we had one, I think the one with Father John Misty was my favorite one because Josh Tillman did the, the cocktail recipe. His recipe was something like pouring, like filling up a glass of water and putting a piece of paper <laughs> or putting it on top yeah. of a piece of paper that said Oblivion. Yes. Uh, <laughs> liquor for, tw for, for 12 hours straight or something and then drinking the cup of water. That was probably... Do you have to do it barefoot? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we got a lot of... I mean, we had some... On Kentucky bluegrass. Yeah. You had to stand barefoot on Kentucky yeah. bluegrass. That's... Yeah, I mean, we had people running us in being like, dude, what the hell is this? So, um, <laughs> but yeah, that was my favorite one. I, that's like the one that I think will probably always be my favorite no matter what else happens. That's yeah. incredible. It's like in The Simpsons, uh, the B Sharps episode. I've seen like two episodes of The Simpsons. Oh my god! Whoa. All right, well, I'm your friend who hasn't watched it, so like I'm the guy. You may have other friends too, but I feel like there's one in every. You'd bond. be you'd be surprised how little uh, social activities I have. So that's why I watch so many Simpsons. But there's an episode where uh, Homer makes a barbershop quartet, and it's pretty much the Beatles. Yeah. Yep. And Barney's John Lennon, and he starts uh, dating Yoko Ono, <laughs> and uh, she orders a very weird drink at Moe's Bar, which is a plum uh, floating in, like, wine in a bowler cap. <laughs> and that's oh, a lot yeah, like yeah, Father yeah. John Misty's drink. Yeah, for sure, man. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, Josh Tillman is a trip, man. I love that dude. I mean, I don't, like, know him or anything, so. Yeah. But uh, well, he seems really awesome. So. And Tyler, Vinyl Me Please is located in Chicago, right? Uh, no, it's actually out of Boulder. Boulder. So we have a, oh, out of Boulder? Yeah. Did you mean in Chicago? Yeah, we got started in Chicago. Matt and I were roommates, actually. We worked at a startup, and the three, both he and I and his now wife, Esther, the three of us, um, all worked at the same company. And uh, and Matt and I started this as a side project while we were there. So Now, um, one of my favorite movies of all time, and I think I just... I watched it at the right time in my life yeah. is High Fidelity. Yeah. And that, that shop, that, well, that wasn't in a real shop in Wicker Park, but the building that they used for that. That was based on it? Was in Wicker Park. Yeah. Yeah. So that was maybe 15 minutes from my apartment. Now, did you go into record stores and being like, oh, this is where they must have got that character? <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, I think it's, you know, they have Reckless Records there, which is really good. Uh, I love that shop. Um, there's a few other really good ones as well, but that's where. We always went, um, which it might be cliche to go there. I don't know. I, we, I love that shop. I don't think they're cliche or something, but 
I think a lot of mm. people know them who go to Chicago um, for good reason. But it's like yeah. the, the amoeba of Chicago. Yeah, totally. I mean, but I think Matt, you know, his dad had had a three thousand record collection uh, growing up, oh. and so Matt actually. Wow. I think his dad paid him like a dollar a record to go in way back in the day when people were ripping their records to MP3, like when that was first a thing. Um, wow. His dad paid him like a dollar a record to go in and do that to all of them. So Matt had grown up around records. I didn't own one record before. I think I owned one record when we started Vinyl Me Please. Uh, and since this is about embarrassing yourself in public musically, um, that record was Mac Miller's first full-length album I bought on vinyl. That was the first record I had on vinyl. And I and, and I like Mac Miller. That was like his high school kind of like 50s rap record. Like, <laughs> and so like that was, I don't know, man. Like every time I say that, people are like, oh, shit. And it's true. I mean, that's not like a cool first record really to own. Again, I'm not dissing him or something, but it's just. No. I think that somebody who started a record collective, like a record business. <laughs> They'd have like. Have, he would know more about Frampton records. comes alive or something. Yeah, than being like, yeah, I had a Mac Miller record, uh, and that was it. So yeah, so anyway, so that's that's sort of that was we were in Chicago for a while, and then um, we thought about. I mean, we almost closed Vinyl Me Please down. I don't know, probably ten times, man. I mean, we went from like yeah. zero to three hundred customers in the first year, and it was a huge pain in the ass to run, and uh, we were we were bootstrapped, and so. We were just constantly broke and working a lot to just keep even that small thing afloat. And anyway, long story short, it ended up really taking off and turned into a full-time thing a few years ago. And uh, and that's when we opened our office in Boulder. Matt and his wife had moved out here. And yeah, so there's we now have ten. There's now ten of us in the office there. Um, yeah, and you guys are doing a lot of content too these days. Yeah, I am like actual like posting and blogs and all that stuff too. Yeah, that's my. I'm the head of content, and then we have Andrew Winnestorfer, who's our assistant editor. So he manages the blog now. I manage uh, stuff like the podcast and the standard and our album of the month content, things like that. So he's doing a great job. Um, that it's yeah. growing really fast, and it's it's really fun, man. Writing about waking up every morning and writing about music it's it's hard to get much better than that. Yeah, how can you hate that? How can you can you explain uh, to to the listeners as well, kind of the process of choosing your record of the month? Because I know that that that's like your secret sauce. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think you know, we basically. I mean, just as an example, I mean, the rest of this year is planned out. Basically, there's one month that isn't, but the rest of it is and has been for a month and a half. Um, and so and some some of the months have been planned much longer than that. So we plan six to nine months out. We're ordering a lot of of each record and so those i don't say that to brag or something it's just that that means that the process the selection process has to start a lot earlier i think than people might expect um and so we're starting already to talk spring of 2017 Um, oh my god so that's where you know every month we we try to work every year we want to work with a few pretty big bands i mean last year we worked with wilco and black sabbath which I mean, it's hard to get yeah. much bigger than either, you know, than them. So, yeah. and, and so we're every, every year we work with a few bands like that. Um, and we do that because like this year, the example of that was we just worked with the Fugees and this month we're working with Weezer. Yeah. And so we yeah. want to work, we want to go back and find super classic records and do really cool projects around them. Um, where it's not, cause I think it, it would hopefully would be hard to find too many people who have no idea who the Fugees are. Like, hopefully there's not many people running around who don't know them, but 
but we yeah. they're no Mac Miller. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly. So no, but I mean, so we do that. I think just as a way, hopefully, to pay a lot of respect to these classic records, and we want to pay that, and then go and pay that same level of respect to records that we think are worth the same amount of attention um, that it might be from sort of mid-sized bands or small bands. Like last fall, we worked with Blessed Feathers, who were unsigned and really, really, really good folk band um, yeah. out of Arizona. But they, you know, uh, they were unsigned. We've, we actually found their record through a, a submission to our email address, <laughs> of all things. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. What? Yeah. So um, all that to say, we try to work with different size bands every year, like throughout the year. If, if you're with us for a year, we want you to have a really good um, variety of different size bands and then different genres. So we run a different genre every month. Um, and yeah, I mean, our whole thing is we want to send someone, everyone one album a month that's really worth your time. I think, and you guys ident- can yeah. identify with this as well. I mean, there's um, there's a ton of... Um, I don't know. There's a lot of noise in music. You know, there's a lot that you could choose yeah. from. It's hard to... It's hard to consume. I think with us, we just want to say, yeah, sit down and like with this one thing, like with this one album, sit down with that and and pay attention to it and, and give it a chance to tell you what it has to say. I think, you know, a lot of times um, I, I found myself a lot before, you know, listening to one or two songs on an album and saying, that's my opinion on that album, you know, and and or that's my opinion on that band now from listening to two songs one time in the afternoon, you know, so I, I think we mm-hmm. want to sort of, not, not that we wanted to sort of change the way that people thought about the way they consume music on a week in and week out basis. So, all that to say, I know I got a little bit off track there, but <laughs> no, no, no problem at all. No, it's, I mean, and it's a mountain to climb, especially if you, you said you're up to like 10,000 subscribers, right? Uh, no, we're a lot more than that now, but we don't, we don't, <laughs> uh, we just don't share membership numbers. Oh, well, so you're, you're clearing 10,000 uh, a month and you have to come out with one record a month. And it has to kind of get in the lexicon or not the lexicon, but everyone has to somewhat like that album. Right. It has to be very important. And that's Which is quite so the hard. task. Yeah. yeah. That's so hard to please everyone. Yeah, man. No, I know. And that's something where I think part of being a Vinyl Me Please member is jumping on board because we're doing the same thing. I mean, it's not when, even when after Severin and Cameron started, which you know, that was like a big moment when the four of us were able to go full time a few years ago and um, but it was the four of us and we were really, really, really debating a lot of this stuff and going back and forth. And we were running a records that maybe one or two people on the team were not super excited about at first or sometimes vocally. So, and so I think mm. I say that only because we really put these albums through the ringer because it's, it's, our goal is not that you would be massively in love with every single record that you listen to. That's not possible. Um, sure. for any, any service. Um, but our, we want, we think that being exposed to them, I, I, I tend to think personally a little bit about in the, about it in terms of, um, kind of college literature classes where you're forced to read a ton of different stuff. So, you know, no one's going to read, not everyone's going to read like a day in the life of Ivan Denisovich and think that was the best book I've ever read. Or like, I can't <laughs> go, wait to go read more stuff like that about like life in a gulag or something. But some, some people are like really affected by it. And I, and I think like you're better off if you read that book. Even having the context. Yeah, you had the context and you have an, an informed opinion on it. And it's shaped your taste in music a little bit in a way that maybe is even yeah. subconscious or in that case, literature. But, but in our case, music, you know, I think it's great albums 
don't always become your, they're not great because they're necessarily your favorite albums. I think sometimes great albums are great because of the way that they push and sort of stretch your taste. Even if you come back to landing on, I don't want to listen to that album again. So, um, anyway, <laughs> yeah. I, I tend to go on tangent. So just forgive that ahead of time. No. Oh, not at all, dude. We will I not mean, forgive that. No, we're going to, we're, when you, when we are off air, we're going to like, just be like Tyler, man, he just, no, I'm totally kidding. So, uh, I'll just take it back. Why was Mac Miller your first record, and how old were you when you got it? Oh, I mean, this was six months before we started, or we came up with the idea of Anime Pleaser, four months before. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah, this was February of 2012, uh, March of 2012. Um, I really liked Mac Miller at the time. That's, like, the simplest, It's that's the truest thing I could say. I liked Mac Miller. Yeah. I went to a shop. I saw his album. I was like, okay, I know that. I know, I know that that dude and uh, Matt had his record player at our apartment, so I took it home and I listened to the whole thing. Because when you brought it up, you seem like, oh yeah, this is uh, my first record. Kind of ashamed by yeah, it. Yeah, no, I just unabashedly loved that record, man. I still do. Okay, I think it was called Blue Slide <laughs> Park is the name of the record. Uh, yeah, I love that record. It's just one that I would probably be mocked out of the room. By a lot of people for for having that be like yeah I, I had a mac miller record and then i decided to go start a record club so uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? like, so but yeah man so yeah that was that was it yeah uh what was your first cd that you bought whoa that i bought man yeah uh with hmm that's a good question I know mine, but I, only because I, I was revisiting the other day. Dude, so I was raised like very conservative Christian. So I think the first record I ever bought was this record by Delirious. It was like this UK, oh. like this UK gospel rock band. I remember um, that band. Wow. Yeah, dude. I, I don't know much. I don't know any song offhand. No, but I definitely was, remember I, the name. It was either that or Much Afraid by Jars of Clay. It was. It, it oh. has to have been one of those two. I was like oh. nine. And I didn't pay for it. I mean, my parents paid for right. it, but I distinctly remember going in a Christian bookstore and buying one of those records. I don't remember which was which came first, but I, I those were probably the first two that I bought. So. I was definitely gifted a uh, a Five Iron Frenzy album. Yes, I don't know if you know that band oh, yeah, at all. Man. <laughs> Jesus of Nazareth, dude. Yes. Yeah, man. <laughs> they were like such a good mixture of like super nerd and like Christian punk so they kind of were accessible and i had friends that had the like nine inch nails five iron frenzy sticker like that was like a big i don't know it was a big deal but i think that was bought for me because like i wasn't into all christian music but a friend was like you like them like here have the cd and so i so i did have a little foray into that music for sure yeah yeah man that was that was gosh yeah five iron frenzy wow yeah man now uh, how how deep what how deep does your love for uh, for Christian gospel music go? Um, well, did it end with that one record? Did or you have like, you like Franklin ever? Because that's what I need to know. <laughs> um, no, I um, man, I like I listen to that like I, on my playlist. I have Switchfoot, dude. I mean, oh. I went to I've been to probably ten Switchfoot concerts, and I'm not even really embarrassed about liking them. I think John Foreman is an amazing songwriter, but I was. Somebody in the office the other day randomly brought up a beautiful, the beautiful letdown or whatever, one of those records from them, and and I was like, yeah, I listened to that record hundred and fifty times at least. I, <laughs> I know every word to every song on that record, and so yeah, I mean, I don't listen to it much now. Um, I I got I was really into Pedro the Lion, 
Um, and so like David Bazan mm -hmm. sort of parted ways with them and did his solo stuff for a while. I mean, they're on good terms or whatever, but he just started his solo projects. Um, and so, um, so yeah, man, I mean like that, I, I, I listened to Lecrae's record. Um, I actually liked Lecrae. I, it, Christian rap is a weird genre that nobody should really listen to, but Lecrae is good. And the weird thing is, yeah. is like, everybody's like, don't worry, Lecrae's okay. Cause he's friends with Kendrick Lamar, which is true. But I think that like a lot, wow. I think a lot of people like kind of maybe started listening to Lecrae more again, once like everyone found out last year that he and Kendrick Lamar were like friends. I don't know. I I'm just saying that that could be true. Could be, yeah. I, like started seeing Lecrae around a lot more. I, he's been around forever, as far as I know. Um, yeah. Anyway, I don't know if that, <laughs> that answers the question. I mean, I listened to yeah. a ton of like Christian rock in oh, yeah. high school. So, yeah, dude. Wow. What 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 drew you to Christian rock? It was Just the only thing where you grew the parents up. allowed it. Yeah, my parents let me. I mean, I used to basically my parents yeah. let me listen to it. I listened to a lot of other stuff in high school too. Like I was listening to like I listened to Deftones and. Um, like nice. Thursday was my favorite band by far in high school. Um, mm -hmm. and I'm obs like just obsessed with Thursday full collapse is one of my favorite records of all time. Um, so I listened to a lot of other stuff, but yeah, man, I mean, there was, my parents ran a pretty tight ship, I guess you could say. And so for a long time, if I was going to listen to any kind of rock music that was otherwise, um, I was like, I would stay up super late and put my radio under my pillow and listen to 96 X, which is like this local alternative rock station back when alternative yeah rock, i think at that point alternative rock still meant something like you could say that and people are like oh yeah i know what you mean uh like yeah it was like pre-corn and limp biscuit like it was it wasn't like rap rock yeah totally it was still rock it was totally man and i was listening to a lot you still of like, the indie aesthetic yeah and, and and even on there you know you'd still hear like system of a down or something like that they play corn every nice. once in a while but there's a lot of other stuff as well so Anyway, yeah. So, yeah, so there was that kind of that's that's my musical encyclopedia encyclopedia personal encyclopedia started with primarily Christian alternative rock music and drifted away from that fairly quickly once I got into late high school. Christian alternative rock seems like an oxymoron. Yes, it is. Well, there's a <laughs> lot of oxymorons probably included in that genre, but that's one oh, yeah. for sure. Well, one of the things that I noticed, and I've talked to friends about this who are, uh, they used to work for Absolute Punk, was that there's a a core group of like hardcore Christian bands that had to eventually like drop that label, but still made amazing music. So like there's a band, um, Tall as Lions. I don't know. I don't know them. I think it's as Tall as Lions. Let me well, like check. Thrice was that way, right? I mean, yeah, and Thrice. Like, there's like these bands that like transition. They had to. Like it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't like that they weren't proud of that beginning, but it was like they were expanding beyond this like core group of fans. Yeah, well, as Tall as Lions. Yeah, Katy Perry was like yeah. a uh, a Christian rock gal. She started right? that way too. Yeah, yeah. And then she kissed a girl and liked it. Yeah, she did. Um, I've you know I guess like there's a lot to be said for that. I guess I mean there's she made that like transition. A little bit more starkly than than like a thrice did. I mean, Dustin Kendrew wasn't going to put out something as nearly as controversial as she was going to. But that's not really that was like really her shtick, and that's a good example. I mean, she. It's interesting because it's weird because Christian music, I think, had the capability to be more of a launch pad because 
I guess like Christian music was kind of a launchpad for Katy Perry in the same way that country music was for Taylor Swift. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, because that's a good like, point. Taylor Swift, but Taylor Swift hasn't totally severed her ties with country music until recently. Whereas like Katy Perry kind of came out of nowhere and most people were like, wait, is that? And then no, yes, no, yes, it was that, that same girl from before. But, but I think where like Taylor Swift's transition was a lot more uh, gradual, it seems like, um, I think they're both amazing by the way, but yeah, that's a, it's, it, it would be like if Amy Grant came out and put out teenage dream. Right, like if, if a young exactly. Amy Grant had put out a, like a song about kissing girls and liking it, which would have been an incredible <laughs> album. I wish that had happened, but I'm glad that would have blown minds. <laughs> so. What about she had two mainstream hits, though? What's up? I was just say she had two mainstream hits though. Uh, who? Um, uh, uh, what's her Amy name? Grant. Uh, Amy Grant. Oh, yeah, yeah. Man. yeah. I don't know. Amy Grant was huge. My aunt loved Amy Grant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> My parents were huge Amy Grant fans. So that's awesome. Anyway, yeah, man, wow, I haven't talked about that that whole musical. That's what we do. Yeah, that's what we do here, man. We go we go deep, son. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, dude. Um, Man, wow, yeah, that's been a while. (laughs) Well, we can go into your list too. I mean, if if there's uh, anything you want to like lead off with, yeah, no, I mean, so so in high school, I guess like as far as when you guys were talking to me a little bit about this, I think one of the first bands that came to mind was Coldplay. I'm obsessed with Coldplay. Nice. Um, I think Ghost Stories is like a top three Coldplay album. I know. Mm. Like, I think I'm I'm one of probably four or five people in America that think that. But I love. <laughs> I just I I haven't listened to their new record. I just don't want to. Yeah. I want to like pretend it doesn't exist based on what I've heard. But the thing about Coldplay in my mind is it's it's like a warm bath when you're sad. Like it's just right. It's a com- it's comfort food. Yeah, dude. It's I mean, for music. Yeah, it's Chris Martin. I, I refuse to believe that Chris Martin, like that, there's anyone alive who doesn't get in their feelings a little bit when they start hearing some of these sad sort of these sad anthem Coldplay tracks. You know, where sort of like yep. singing into the universe with sort of this like inviting, like warm, inviting universe that wants the best for you. You know, I mean, it's it's a weird. I don't know. It, it, like Coldplay has always been this band that I they no pretty much no matter what they re- released up until their new record, and I might love their new record too. I don't know. I went, maybe someday I'll listen to it. But like up until this new <laughs> record, like everything they released, it was just to me. I was quietly to myself like, man, fuck yes, this is awesome. Like, another, you know, like <laughs> and again, like I can't, you know, I'm not supposed to be like, you know. On a You're not radio show talking about how I love Coldplay, but dude, I I love that band, man. I I for a long time they could do no wrong. Like I love X and Y, a Rush of Blood to the Head. Uh, yeah, man. see that was my like intro was Rush of Blood to the Head, and like I think I mean of course I heard uh, Yellow, of course like repeatedly, and like and I and I liked it, but it was definitely like I had that like angst of like because I wasn't like again like a super huge Dave Matthews band head, but I definitely like saw them live a bunch of times, and I heard Yellow, and I was like, hey. You know, but then I realized that like that wasn't their own, like their only type of music. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they weren't they weren't cribbing. Like even you, you can't change your singing voice. You know what I mean? But everybody wanted to like throw that on them that he sounded like Dave Matthews, and like mm-hmm. obviously they they blew beyond that eventually too. So yeah, yeah. no, and I think I I, um, I feel like it's 
Um, I don't know, man. I mean, because I feel like Chris Martin spent some time wishing that he were Tom York. And absolutely, and absolutely, to be Tom York. And there was a while where it just felt like Chris Martin needed a hug. And just like, dude, <laughs> you're not Tom York, man. But like, you make great pop music, and we need that too. Yeah. You know, I, you guys will go down as like, as a very big and influential or noteworthy early 2000s band, like early to mid 2000s band. People back yeah. and say, oh yeah, Coldplay put out six records or seven records or whatever. But yeah, yeah you're not going to leave your stamp on musical history like like Tom York probably will, but that's okay. And so I think for me, mm. it's okay that I felt like there were moments where they sort of called themselves up to the varsity team and put out some really great stuff and then, you know, got sent back down to JV. I don't know. I like, <laughs> and I know that's, it might seem harsh, but to me it feels sort of re- a, like a relief. Like, ah, oh, cool. There's, there's yeah. good bands here that I can just put on and not have to think about. Um, cause I don't always like to listen to King of Limbs or something like that. Or it's like, what's going on? It's just, I need to, I, you know what I mean? Well, like they always say with like food, it's like, sometimes you need a palate cleanser. Like sometimes you need something that's mindless. Sometimes you need, like, that's to me when I listen to something that's cheesy, it's, it has, I don't want to be challenged. I don't want my brain to like process the themes and the like layers i'm like no i just i literally want to bop my head and like cleanse my brain like yes. i don't even care yeah so coldplay is that for you you know um yeah dude it's awesome it's it like if i'm just feeling like that super simple kind of heady sadness there's like nothing better for me than to come home and put on ghost stories and just chill out for an hour <laughs> uh, yeah so and another band i mean like the heavier version of that that's not related to being very soothing for, but from late high school was muse uh, oh nice dude i was super into muse for a long time nice um i mean i guess what was the first track that like hit you? time is running out interesting okay yeah. i got into them probably at a really cliche time i think I don't even remember when that record came out. Um, yeah, me neither. It was 2004, maybe. So 2004, I would have been a sophomore in high school. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. I saw them open for U2. Um, they, were, wow. they were way better than U2. I, I'm somebody who is fine going on public record by saying every band opening for U2 is better than U2. But <laughs> I, Interpol also opened for them the other time I saw them. They oh. were amazing. I love Interpol, but... Sam. Um, yeah, dude. Antics is amazing. I mean, all, all oh, yeah. their records are awesome. Um, oh. But yeah, dude. Muse. Wow. Yeah. Muse was another one of those bands where I don't even know. I know that they've continued to put out music. I haven't listened to them since 2010, probably. Yeah. Same here. But dude, yeah. there was a while where they were getting massive, massive attention from Tyler, from young Tyler. High school to college age, Tyler was very into Muse for a while. Oh. So, man. Well, still to this day, and, like, I find myself in the same way, like, where I just need to, like, get myself, like, kind of pumped, but also just, like, again, if I just need a lift, I will uh, search, because there's a ton of amazing ones, mm-hmm. of the live versions of Knights of Sidonia, because the crowd, like, literally loses their mind. And I haven't seen them live yet, and I have a goal of just... I, I only want to go for that one song. Like, I like their a lot of their songs too but that's the song that i want to like lose my mind to because you see the crowd and you can just tell like there's people there same thing that are like very like maybe even the music stops but they're like yeah this song this is the shit that i'm here for you know what i mean totally man yeah no exactly and i think um 
that's a kind of, I don't know, there was a time, like stadium rock doesn't really exist right now in the way, in the way that it did six or seven years ago. And they were a stadium rock band. Like it's even yep. weird to think about them playing a show that wasn't in a stadium because they had all these <laughs> because they had all these hit these songs that I mean when they opened for you too they just took over the place there's probably thirty thousand people there or something and they it just the whole place even if they had never heard of it you can't not be sort of levitated by it a little bit you know emotionally so I think that there's something about that, that there was a time when stadium rock was important. It might be important again. It's not someday. It's not important now, but, um, but it was important then. And I think they were to me, like one of the best, um, they were one of the best, um, examples of what stadium, like modern stadium rock was supposed to be like. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I thought for a second that Kings of Leon was going to kind of take the, the mantle for sure going to take take the torch from them and that never really panned out and whatever so here we are but i and i mean <laughs> i like foo fighters and stuff a lot so i'm glad that they're still going around and and yeah. i know dave matthews will never stop touring which i'm i don't know dude i love dave matthews man i like oh I, live it's a revelation dude, totally still and i yes I, I i don't feel guilty about that no, dude, I, lived in, <laughs> I, I lived in charlottesville for a while my parents lived there and so I lived oh, there for man. a while, and I always go back to visit every year. And and I mean, dude, yeah. Dave Matthews is basically Jesus Christ in Charlottesville. I, <laughs> he I, yeah, I might. I mean, literally, <laughs> I have a friend who lives there who told me a story one time, several times about the time that Dave Matthews bought him an apple at Whole Foods. You know, like it's, it's, it's <laughs> like, I, I that dude could do anything that he wanted in Charlottesville and and not be charged for it, as far as as far as I know. And so I think. He's yeah. that it's kind of cool. Dave Matthews, like I saw, I've seen him one time in Charlottesville and I don't know. He was another guy that a lot of, I don't know. I, I would go see Dave Matthews live once a month for the rest of my life. I love it. I missed, oh, yeah. I don't even like jam band music, but I like, I like him a lot. I, I have my moments, but definitely he kind of transcends it too. You know what I mean? Like you'll go to a show and there will be fish fans and then you will see literal like bros. And then you will see like college age sorority girls. Yeah. It's like this meshing of genres. Well, a part of it is I think he got really big first in the South, right? Where at least yes. in the South, it, if you don't leave, the, if you're from the South and you don't leave the South, this, as soon as you hit tw like 18 or 19 or 20, you're the same person from then until like your mid fifties. And so he was getting, he got fans in, at, he, he got big 20 years ago, maybe. I mean, there are people yeah. now you go to his shows who are in their forties and fifties, all the way down to people who are currently, like you were saying, like, like college kids tailgating there. And it's, I mean, <laughs> it, it's like a, in my mind, like a better version of Jimmy Buffett. I mean, it's this, it's this, it's kind of regional music, but the weird thing to, I, at least I thought that it was, but the weird thing is, is that he sells out everywhere he goes. I mean, everywhere, dude, yes. Their booking fee for a while was like a million bucks, I think, or something. So he, they're going around that they wow. were playing, I don't know. At one point they'd play like 150 shows a year or something like yeah. that. I mean, they're going around and playing and selling out everywhere that they go. Like it's insane yeah. in the U.S. It's insane. I it's like one of those things. It's kind of like how country music is by far the most influential and biggest genre of music in the U.S. Just by plays alone. Like there's nothing mm. close. And it's like Dave Matthews in my mind is like the the artist who embodies that same. He's sort of like the country music of artists, where a lot of people I think don't realize how huge Dave Matthews is. 
And Agreed. I mean, I don't know. Anyway, he's awesome, dude. His him and Tim Reynolds when they play when they play guitar together, dude. That's that's one of my favorite favorite live things. So yeah, so yeah, dude. I'll fanboy about Dave Matthews all day. <laughs> that's good, and it's in the same realm. Realm, I think people will like be quick to roll their eyes at a party or like at karaoke, but then literally like they're 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 getting into it. Like I think that's like a common like response. Yeah. And they look how around like, people, oh, everyone likes it. Yeah. How many people have you heard do Dave Matthews band karaoke? Oh, oh dude, dude. Well, I was about I, to well, say that I think Dave Matthews got ruined for a lot of people by whoever that guy was in their social circle in college who brought his guitar to the parties and played Crash. There was one <laughs> of them in every yeah. group f- for probably 10 years. There was Everybody <laughs> had a friend who had a guitar who played Crash. I did. He lived in my oh, house yeah. in college and he played every time girls would come over. All of a sudden, he was with his guitar somehow out on the porch playing Crash. So I don't know, man. I like, yeah, dude. Dave Matthews karaoke, Dave Matthews covers, just uh, it went on forever. So yeah. that's it's like the the discography version of people covering that Hallelujah song. Just, <laughs> you know, like it's like we don't need it anymore. Like we never needed no. it. It's been done today. I don't think I've ever heard a Dave Matthews cover, though. No. Like, not including people like, oh, like covering the song. I mean, but, cover like, bands, though. An artist oh. going, hey, now. No, I agree. that The cover is definitely, like, the from other artists, definitely not. Like, maybe, I'll bet Jack Johnson has played a Dave Matthews song before. Yeah. And, and probably Jimmy Buffett, and that's probably it. Maybe G Love. I don't even know if he Dude, did or G-Love. not. Yeah, who was um who was the other guy that was going around who had that live from Mars record? Uh, oh, Ben Harper, ben Harper, right? Has probably played a Dave Matthews song, <laughs> but not like uh, a recorded one. No, no right? No, no, oh no, no, no. Yeah. That, now that's what I call the best of Dave Matthews band. Would be a great uh, an album. Yes. Like call one eight hundred for now. That's what I call Dave Matthews. Totally, band. man. And we could. Yeah, he just becomes sort of an everyman, sort of like a oh. Or we could do Dave Matthews Bop. We could do all kid song versions of Dave Matthews. Although, yeah, I think Tenacious D. Oh my! In all honesty, should cover Grave Digger. Yes, because that is a fucking Tenacious D song. If I ever heard one, that's brilliant. This is brilliant, dude. We got to get on that, man. That's got to be doable. Yeah, I I imagine Dave would be down to help that out. I stood. It's funny, Boyd Tinsley. I think is his name. Is a guy that. Is plays the, violin for them. Yeah, um, I stood behind him at uh, at a tennis UVA tennis match one time, and because I think he paid for their indoor facility or something or donated money for it. Anyways, it's yeah. named after him. I said he's like eight feet tall, and, <laughs> he's super, and super it's tall. crazy. Like when you see him live after standing next to him, you realize, holy shit! <laughs> like that dude. <laughs> he's like an alien yeah, for dude, sure. It feels like that. Like, and he's holding. Yeah. He's, he's playing this huge violin that looks so small, like next <laughs> to him. But it's just, I don't know. It's just funny that they're a band. Like you see them around, and I think their bass player was maybe 16 years old when he started playing with them. Um, so wow. yeah, it's just funny because they, you people, see them around in Charlottesville. They're like these national celebrities that are kind of like small town local celebrities as well. So. But yeah, man, dude, oh, man, Tenacious D covering Grave Digger would be awesome. Man, I have I have a line to Kyle Gass, but I don't know about Jack Black. That's a tough one. Wait, you know someone who knows Kyle Gass? Yeah, yeah. She. she this is a good story. This is a great story. So I was at a, a bar in LA, and we're hanging out with this guy, and I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but she's like, he's 
uh, the touring guitarist for Tenacious D. And I'm just like, no, no, no. Like, I'm just like, you're pulling my fucking leg. Mm. So we're sitting there. We look at him. And I'm like, I ask him his name. And I do the thing where I go to the bathroom and I search on my phone. And sure enough, that's the dude. So I'm like, this is fucking great. <laughs> so she's like, and I'm, and she's like, and I know him. I mean, they, they got along like, they've been friends since she's been in LA. So when Kyle Gass started the Kyle Gass Band and um, Trainwreck, now he's like the lead guitarist for Trainwreck. And so she goes to see Kyle Gass. I've, there's photos of her on Facebook. They're like besties, like holding hand or, you know, doing the like um, fist bump and shit. I'm just like, fucking A. I have, I have, a, I have a, a connection, a loose connection to Kyle Gass. Yeah, so that's dude, pretty that's cool. awesome. That should be on your tombstone. That's when you that's gonna be my business card. <laughs> like that's all. I, nothing else. Just I. I'm two 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 steps away from Kyle Gass. Yes. That's, <laughs> dude, that's amazing, man. Yeah, I hope to meet him eventually. But whatever. It's it. You know. You know how those things go. He's well, met like five million people. Yes. Have Have any of you guys ever seen Tenacious D live? No, sadly, I haven't. My brother has, and I'm jealous. All they like. Uh, my friends saw them live, and they just covered Tommy the Who. Mm-hmm. from front to back and then the b-side of abbey road wow that's all Whoa. they did and jack black would uh they're trolling the audience probably he would just uh like mouth out all the solos like <laughs> 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 yes. that's great that's amazing man that's uh tyler what else is on uh your guilty uh pleasure mixtape oh man let's see so I have Third Eye Blind on here. I love Third Eye Blind, man. I just awesome. do Motorcycle Drive-By. I've listened to that song a oh. hundred times. And dude, that album alone. Yeah, dude. I, gosh, their self-titled, rec- their self-titled album is whatever, man. That album rules. I get a lot of, I get a lot of <laughs> shit for that. As Matt, I don't Matt care. and I both love Third Eye Blind, and pretty much everyone else in the office makes fun of us for that. But dude, it's, oh, man, that record fucking rules. And I like, it's... Front to drive by in particular is so exactly right. It's just it's that song for me that you have when you're you listen to when you're 21 and you think your life is over because somebody like broke up. <laughs> it with slays you. you. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, that song slays yeah, you. Dude, it does, and it, it just you think this is the end of my life. Like I. <laughs> You know, you've been around like only a third of the amount of time you would need to be alive to really be an authority on anything. But you think that you've sort of progressed this grand arc that's now sort of coming into its twilight and um, and that you've done something heroic even by just surviving it. Right. And so that's obviously not really true. It feels true at the time, but it's not really true. But Third Eye Blind kind of makes you feel like. It makes it worse almost, you know, what I mean? <laughs> like it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, oh, you're yeah. right. your life is over, but like, not like you're not going to die. You're just going to be floating out on the waves on your surfboard and feeling really sad about everything <laughs> like in that. And for some reason, I don't know, man, that, that song has always embodied just, it's sort of both things, like sort of all of a lot of emotions that you feel when you're young and first falling in love for the first time. And two, it embodies yeah. all of the dumb stuff that go, went through my head like at that and age it, so yeah and it's not an album that like because i found this too like i've brought it on road trips mm-hmm. and like i i've never pulled it out because i always feel like you need to almost listen to it like solo you can't it's a very hard Steve record never to, pulls like, out though yeah i don't pull it out and yes. <laughs> never pull out <laughs> but like at a party or anything it's like there's some songs that I, I guess you know semi-term life of course and i don't know i guess <sighs> graduate graduate would be a good party song but the rest are like super downer like you're all introspective which is the one about uh smoking meth 
Ooh. Uh, that's well. I I thought Semi Charm Life was um yeah Christmas. It's, yeah 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 yeah. And so, then a bump again, and then a bump again. <laughs> yeah, I, that's a good song, dude. It's a karaoke standard among now. When everyone. people give you shit about Third Eye Blind, what do you say to them? I just say I completely deserve that, and I still love them. Like I, I don't care. It's just <laughs> I, it's it. something that I can't change about myself. It's like if I had a huge freckle on my face, just one. People are like, oh, there's a huge freckle on your face. I'd be like, yeah, there is one there actually. What of it? What of I, it? I actually, yeah, you're right. There is one there. Um, <laughs> you're 100 right. So I, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, it's I, I have no real sort of articulate defense of my love for third eye blind it just is it's just like a brute fact inside of the tiny universe in my mind Um, now are are you ashamed of it because of uh the time in your life where you fell in love with it and you're like oh this is perfect this summarizes my angst and how much love sucks (laughs) or are or are you ashamed of it because everyone around you saying that band sucks. No, dude. Why do you I'm like ashamed them? of it because if I had had any musical talent whatsoever, I would have written that record. <laughs> like, and yeah. So, and so, like, I've, I'm implicated in that record to a degree that makes me uncomfortable. You're like, if I was only that guy in college that played Dave Matthews yeah, Band I, when the girls were around, I would have wrote that fucking I record. I would have fucking written that record, man. Yeah, it's just everything about that record, especially, yeah, like the Motorcycle Drive-By song of just this, like, Ugh, like weird like emotional pudding like just like i just exist to feel and whatever sort of you get older and you're like man that's was bullshit like i was that dude who would have been like yeah this is what's this is what i need to write an album about and that's not all that album is about but just to be (laughs) clear but that's that's one of the albums that there aren't very many where i was i'm like a little bit conflicted and a little bit ashamed of the fact that if I had, like, I could have been, I could have written that record. And I don't, not that it would have been as good if I had written it now. I'm just saying, like, had I had the talent <laughs> to write that record, I was in a place where I could have written that. And that kind of makes me hurt. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, too, for you, because, like, I know some people that could pull it off, but you have such a, like, deep, like, bass slash baritone voice yeah, to, like, dude. pull off a Stephen Jenkins, like, falsetto. Yeah. You would really have to, like, push, yeah, I'm sure. I know, man. I would have ended up putting out, like, a Dawson record or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like, I feel like, or uh, whatever his name is, I don't know. It's not even Dawson. I don't even know what that is. What's the dude who won American Idol was putting out all those weird rock albums? Daughtry. Daughtry. Yeah, right, right, right. There you go. Yeah, I, I probably yeah. would have been putting out Daughtry records, I guess. I don't listen right. to Daughtry, so I don't know. I don't know what they're like, but that's. I think I heard him on the album I one just, time. I was like, oh, that dude. I like all that. I know is one song. It's not over. That's all I know. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only song I know. Dude. I just like that you saw Daughtry and you're like, I understand the music he makes. <laughs> I don't need to listen to it. I get it. Yeah, I get it's it. like a knockoff Third Eye Blind, yeah. and that could have been that me, damn been it. Me, man. That's the American Idol I could have been next to Kelly blind. Clarkson. It's like it's weird because it's like the Third Eye Blind version of a Third Eye Blind album right it's like almost like it gets down into the like most like unpalatable parts of third eye blind and it just condenses synthesizes them down Um, it's like seeing a queen cover band with the original members uh backing a new singer is what i'm hearing yes no it's like they somehow like went to an even further level yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, man, I, yeah, gosh. So all that to say, oh. I love Third Eye Blind, um, and I, I love it 
<laughs> so yeah. Yeah. You and it's like you love it because it could have been so much more for you. <laughs> yeah. As long as like if I you're like if I had any musical talent, like if I could just guitar hero this shit, yeah. that could have been me. Yeah, <laughs> totally, man. Yeah, dude, totally. I and I think it's that's one of the funny things about music from our childhood in general that um I don't know. I mean, my like my fiance Jennifer in general has probably just better music taste than I do just in general. But hmm. if if that's somehow not true, it's certainly true from when we were both twenty. Like I, I was driving her car this morning and she had a like a CD in there from when from ten years ago. And it was like, I don't know, man. I, I wasn't listening to Elliot Smith when I was twenty. I should have been. I don't know what I was listening right, right, to. Right. I was listening to I mean, I love brand new, so it's no diss on them. I love them. But I was listening to like brand new and that was pretty much it for a while. Or like hmm. Tom York solo records. It's like, man, I, there's all this music out there that I should have been listening to that she was and like all of her cool friends were. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. I don't know. I was like stuck down this well of everything's dark and sad. And obviously, Elliot Smith is very sad, but it's just like I, I, I got so focused on a few bands, man. And I when I think about a lot of the stuff I listened to during that time, I my musical taste was so limited. I feel like I, I think, you know, I, I my taste didn't really expand a lot until my mid twenties. Um, right. Cause I think I, for me, I got really, I just had a habit of maybe it was the social circles I ran in or whatever, but we got, I got really siloed. Like I, I don't know. I spent an entire summer smoking weed on my friend's porch and watching the same like three live Nirvana concerts all summer. Oh, which ones? I don't even remember, dude. I was stoned for all of them. I There's just, the muddy banks of the witch guy. I know that one. They had one of them, like one of them was a video of the unplugged concert. Oh, it's so fucking Dude, good. Oh, yeah. No, Still man. good. We, I think we just had that in our, in our member store, I think. Um, we, did a, <laughs> we did a podcast episode on it a long time ago. Um, oh, man. I don't even think it ever got published. But yeah. anyway, yeah, dude. I, uh, have you... Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Have you read the, uh, the, auto, the biography, Heavier Than Heaven? No, I haven't. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. And... Um, they talk about recording that day and how he was trying to meet up with his heroin dealer. Wow. In New York City. Yeah. And it was just like in such a in such fucking shambles. And that performance is harrowing. Yeah, because he was he oh. was um sort of coming coming off he was in withdrawals. Oh yeah. Time. Sure. And I'm sure. Like he like yeah. I read a little bit about the backstory to that, but I know the MTV folks were super worried about even doing it when he showed up because of the state that he yeah. was in. Um, uh, and HBO just put out a, uh, a doc on him about a year ago, right? Yeah, mm. yeah I haven't... His, I watched some of it. I've, I've watched... Yeah, I couldn't get through it either because uh, it was like kind of sad and then it was like cartoons and I'm like, ah, this requires my full attention and I just couldn't... Yeah, well, I just I think, couldn't do it. Well, Nirvana's like I, Nirvana to me is a much more of an academic enterprise than it is for a lot of my friends who are a little bit older than me. Um, yeah. It's the same way with rap, right? So I, the first rap record I ever owned, which I didn't buy, I had it burned on CD, was "Get Rich or Die Trying" by Fifty Cent. So okay, like, <laughs> that was I was listening, you know, with my like trap friends after practice, like listening to like Busta Rhymes and Fifty Cent and Eminem and like all those people. I wasn't listening to classic, like, late 90s rap. Old school or, like, conscious hip-hop, yeah, right? Like, I wasn't, 
my yeah like i i was introduced to like whoop there it is and shit like I, it took me a while to get to the far side and like yeah. yeah dude i was in what probably historically will be seen possibly as kind of a dry time for rap at, at least as far as like as or at least a transition time for rap if not dry. yeah and so when my friends are talking about like wu-tang or anybody like that it's like dude I, i've had to go back and listen through that and start to learn it but and 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 I like I, it's like I know it okay now, but I had to go back and do that. And same with Nirvana. I mean, I wasn't listening to Nirvana in high school, and so yeah, I it, I went back and listened to Nirvana a lot. But I, like something on Kurt Cobain isn't as emotionally affecting to me personally as it is to some of my friends, and maybe it should be. Um, but I think that there's, and this may be true for a lot of people, but I think that there's a there are in in everyone's sort of in everyone's section of the musical universe that their taste takes them to there are these artists who are iconic artists of that sort of genre or subgenre where sometimes you i think there's a lot of pressure to love that artist because of how they shape the genre and i think eventually over time depending on how you get into that kind of music it can take time to work to the place where you love them um for like what they contributed Mm. or what they did because you didn't grow up with them and so like, yeah. like, I don't know, I, the weird thing is, is that I have like an emotional connection to POD records, dude. Like, I don't, I don't <laughs> like that, but it's true. Right, right. You know what I mean? Or Lincoln right. Park or like, right. I don't know, man, or, or System of a Down. I mean, System of a Down is amazing, but I'm just saying it's right. weird sometimes when you get into a kind of music and you start to learn the landscape of it and you realize where the starting point that you have, that even some of the really classic or important parts of that can sometimes seem not very accessible at the beginning because of where you're coming from musically. Um, yeah. And so there was a time when I was younger where I used to like pretend to like stuff that I didn't really like. Like I didn't like OK Computer at all when I first heard it. But all my, all, like my smart friends in, in college. Well, that's, so. that's unfair because that album wasn't critically acclaimed till much later. A lot of critics hated OK Computer. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, and that's, I think it's, it's a good, for me, I think it's a mark of, starting to really love music which is why i like the idea of this podcast i think a mark of when people's someone who really is starting to love music i think when um when i think that they'll like admit that i don't you know i don't know that or i don't like that or i i I do like that or whatever i think it's a cool topic of what do you like that you feel kind of ashamed of but are still willing to talk about because i think that's part of that's part of it's it's interesting, man. I mean, because it's that way with people. I mean, like if you fall in love with someone, it doesn't mean that you always like everything about them, but you kind of lock on to like the core of who they are, right? And you sort of get to know them better and better over time. And when you say, "Are we falling in love?" Oh yeah, no, that's already happened. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it certainly wasn't some sort of prospective thing where it was like, "Yeah, I'll just get her a ring and then see if we fall in love." That that happened before, but I just mean where like you have a you know you have a it's like with bands or people or whatever it's or genres or whatever. I think it's, it's a messy business, you know, I think having opinions and, and feelings for this kind of stuff. And it's, it's it. And I think part of the cool part of it is that's messy. I mean, I, Mm. and it's cool that people somehow like, um, you know, third eye blind and Coldplay and Radiohead and Kanye West and like Seager Rose and whoever else, like everybody's, everybody has like this sort of their own night sky of different constellations of music that they like. And I think that's one of my favorite things about talking to people about music and why I love Vinyl Me Please. And this is not a commercial for Vinyl Me Please, but I just mean, I've gotten to talk to so many people who like so many weird combinations of stuff. 
Um, and I think it's cool. And I think that like the idea of there being guilty pleasures is like, I don't think people should feel guilty about it. And I know you guys aren't saying that at all. I just, mean, no, no, no. Yeah. I, I think it's cool that like people like weird kind of banal shit right next to, it's like, it's not, it's not weird to me that someone could like watching like breaking bad and keeping up with the Kardashians. You know, I mean, that's kind of the TV. Equivalent that's, of what we're talking that's my girlfriend. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah no, and I think that's kind of cool about people. I think, I think we're all pretty simple, yeah. you know, like we, we have complicated parts of us and we have really simple parts of us. And it's kind of fun to talk about. Everybody likes to focus on the heady academic shit, but it's fun to talk about the simple stuff that you just like for no reason, you know? You're listening to Guilty Mixtape. I'm Matt Bogart, and I'm joined with my co-host, Steve Long. Steve, what's going on? You know, so I'm hungry. Okay. As I always am this time of day. You have, have at least three meals a day. Usually. Usually. Yeah. So, being hungry as I am, I uh, want some noodles. Oh, yeah? What kind of noodles? I want all kinds of noodles. All kinds. You know how some people are like, okay, I just want spaghetti noodles. Uh huh. Well, no, I I want lo mein. I want ramen. Oh, I want bow tie. Like I don't even want. I I want a restaurant that has every choice of noodle that I could possibly think of. Oodles of noodles is what I'm hearing. That's exactly what you're hearing. Did you know that Montclair just opened a noodles of noodles? I believe I heard that. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, where in Montclair is Oodles of Noodles? Oodles of Noodles is by the library. By the library. Of course. Because a lot of, a lot of readers are really passionate, passionate noodle eaters. They like to carbo load before they speed read. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it does. So, uh, you, you can get an assortment of noodles all in one dish. Yes. Yeah. The, the idea is not to just limit yourself. Mm -hmm. They encourage you to put soba in there. I mean, it's like, dude, it's like a veritable noodle party so you can have lasagna with a noodles as a layer yeah and then another layer of noodles completely now you know what's cool about oodles and noodles they'll put noodles on a sandwich they will it's a noodle sandwich and it's just a sandwich with noodles in it exactly and uh if that's not your pace they also do low-fat wraps they do of noodles well they they, they say it's low carb but really come on let's we're not kidding ourselves here. I thought that was a joke in Oodles of Noodles, where it's their low-carb menu is just a shoe. And I saw them serve it to someone yeah. when I was at the library, and they're like, what is this? I thought it was a joke. Nope. It's legit. Or an old boot. Mm-hmm. Because, you know. Usually, the server has to take their shoe off and give it to the person. Yeah. And uh, they do it to not only shame the person, because now this poor worker doesn't have a shoe anymore but it really sends a message where you can't screw around at oodles of noodles yeah because they take their noodles very seriously oh it's and it's you know not only can you have like homemade noodles artisanal noodles you can have you know any sorts of carbs from anywhere in the world like what well as i mentioned in the, in the other things you know there's also fettuccine mm -hmm. noodles there's um What's the stra stra stracciola noodles? There's um, all sorts of these um, egg yolk noodles. Oh, yeah. Those are the egg like, noodles. Yeah. So you got like the kosher, like you can make um, almost like, um, 
what's the word called? Um, beef stroganoff with. Uh huh. But the thing is, your toppings are really limited there. Yeah. It's like they really want to put the like focus on the noodle. So like mostly you're gonna eat it with a little bit of olive oil, maybe some tomato sauce. They really want the noodle to shine. And I, and I just respect that. I actually saw them kick someone out for uh, asking for too many toppings. They're like, all I taste are noodles. And they're like, that's the point. It's oodles of noodles, not oodles of toppings and sauces and crap. Agreed. I agree. I, this this is a no-brainer. Do you agree with this uh, chef's vision? Yeah. What's the chef's name again? Uh, his name was... I uh, met him once. Yeah. Jock uh, Fredrickson. Jock Fredrickson. <laughs> A French German. <laughs> it's a very strange mix. Yeah. He 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 hit the noodle bug and hit it hard. And um I don't know. They gave us a two for one special. I don't know if you tried it. Oh no. Who did you go with anyone or did you just use that two for one for yourself? No, just for myself. Yeah, because you were really hungry that day. I was hungry. And uh I carbo loaded and I felt great. And and I just I just feel like Montclair it's always on the cutting edge, so this is a new trend, and soon you're going to be in a, a, a West Coast cabana, and there's going to be an oodles and noodles guy walking down with a cart, or he's going to be in a food it, truck. Do you think they can do a cart with all the amount of noodles and hot water that it takes to cook these noodles fast? <laughs> that is true. That's going to be a tough one. I don't know. I'm Maybe, maybe they're going to invent something new. One time I uh, got a salad at Oodles for Noodles, and it was just noodles. Wow. Yeah. They just, they just, just noodles in a bowl. And they call that a salad. Yep. See? Brilliant. And I'm like, Jock, what's going on with this? He goes, this is our interpretation of a salad. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in the next uh, season of the Netflix original series, Chef's Table. Oh, I can completely see it. In fact, we should ask him. We should bring him on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know what? I think, I think I'm going to get some noodles right now. And what, which, uh, which noodles did you get when you got the two-for-one special? Uh, so I did uh, rigatoni mm-hmm. mixed with soba, mixed with bow tie in one bowl. And then in the other bowl, I tried to um, <clears throat> I tried to uh, keep it to the lasagna noodles, but then they encouraged me to uh, throw in a little bit of just this plain spaghetti noodle. And uh, and then they had that one that was like the whole wheat one. Yeah. And I was like, no, fuck that shit. And I told them to pull it out. So that was my second bowl. Uh, I got the dumplings there, which they stuffed with um, noodle angel hair pasta. Wow! So that was uh, that was quite delicious. Yeah. Well, that Jacques, uh, what was his last name again? Fredrickson. Jad Jacques Fredrickson. He really he really has a vision. He does. Anyway, let's get back to the show. This is guilty mixtape, and visit Oodles of Noodles right next to the library in beautiful Montclair, New Jersey. Now, Tyler, uh, before we let you go, yeah. I just have one more question. Uh, I'm sure Steve might follow it up, but what album did you were you looking forward to for Record Store Day, which was about a week or two ago? Um, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest with you, man. Um, Please be honest. I don't. We're falling in love. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, we like work is insane. I'm getting married in June, and my wife or my fiance and I are also building a house. So. I had no idea what was happening at record store day. 
Um, <laughs> I didn't have any idea really. I don't have any idea of anything really that's going on outside of albums that are coming out right now as general releases and content projects that we're working on. So uh, what I will tell you is that last year I was extremely excited about the Dejan Tandu reissue that Brand New did, and I did not get a copy of it. Um, I uh. did not find one anywhere. We had a, a guy that is like a, sort of a consultant for Finally Please who stood in line for four hours at a, at a record store to get one. And they had two, wow. two copies. He was like six, the sixth person in line, and they were gone by the time he got in. Oh, no. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know if that if I can take from last year when my life was left less crazy and say that that was my favorite part. That was my favorite one. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, I don't have an answer for you. I know that's kind of shameful, but dude, I I just don't know. Yeah, there's too much out there. Hey, yeah. life happens. Yeah, dude, All right. Life is happening. I was gonna say how how dare yeah. <laughs> so, what about you guys? What what did you guys? What were you guys looking forward to? Uh, the Outcast reissue. Oh, nice! Was oh, I... something I uh, was looking Which forward album? to. Which uh, album? AT Aliens, I believe. Oh, nice! I didn't know that. Uh, was even I could there. not grab it though. Yeah, I feel like uh, we had a part. We had that. I feel like we may have had that as a like in a, the store. a two like a two LP set. Oh, from la- last. There you go, Matt. There you I, go. I think they all sold out, but we had some Outcast records, and I think that was one of them. Yeah. Um, See, I, I mentioned in the last podcast for me. I I love Record Store Day because I like to support my local shops, but I will not. I refuse to like stand in those crazy lines. Right. So I went at like four p.m. and I I was literally just like looking for like a hidden gem, mm-hmm. and I saw, and I still am like over the moon of this. Uh, the Supremes on Motown, the greatest hits, double album. It's in like near mint condition, and that was my like fucking score. And Dude. I'm like. The best. Dude, that's awesome, man. I that's sick. I I got a copy long time ago in Chicago. I got a copy of the single. Um, the tw- it was a twelve inch single mm. of Never Ever by Trillville featuring Lil Scrappy and Lil John, dude. That, nice. I got it for seventy five cents, and that's still probably the best record I've ever bought on Record Store Day. It was that that was the year yeah. that the Roots reissued most of their catalog, and it was all gone right away. <laughs> So of course, was, yeah, like, exactly. Trillville record that's still awesome. I mean, <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. That well, that that's my last question for you. Actually, is you mentioned hip hop? Is there like one or two guilty pleasure like hip hop groups slash albums that you're just like over the moon for? Man, that's a good question. I I mean, I I, I grew up listening to as not to be con- like contrary to what I said at the beginning of this, but I sort of snuck rap. And starting as like a, a probably an, an eighth grader, I was like constantly listening to Eminem and all that kind of stuff. I, yeah. I don't know. One of them is probably, I don't really listen to it anymore. Um, where I, I liked for a long time, I was obsessed with the Eminem show. Um, of course. I love that record. And I, I feel like I stopped listening. I don't really listen. I don't listen to Eminem anymore. I, I just, I couldn't really do it anymore. You know, like I, I don't like his anti yeah. anti women stuff. And that's something that I say the misogyny has got me every time. No, I'm still like, like and that's not something where it's like, oh, it used to be fine and now it is. It was just I think when I was in eighth grade, exactly. I wasn't really like I wasn't thinking about it in that in those terms. Yeah. Which is not good. I should have been thinking about it in those terms, but I wasn't. I was in eighth grade and I just thought the songs were cool. Um and so I was like really obsessed with that record for a long time. Another record, which I'm not ashamed of, but it's just one that like I've listened to over a wide variety of times in my life is a Carter three. Um, mm. I love that record, man. And I, 
I think it's I think it's Lil Wayne's best best record in my opinion. There's a lot of debate around that, I'm sure, but I I yeah. love that record, and I've I think that stands up to most. I mean, the thing is now, dude. We I know we need to go. I, we're, we're living like a golden age for rap, so it's like impossible to pick my favorite albums now because there's so many good ones. But back then, there was only a few. I mean, Get Rich or Die Trying is another one where that's yeah. so. You listen to that, and you immediately know what year that came out, you know. But it's like, but I think like now, it, no records are like I put it on, and it's still just as good as it was back then. And I still would blast that like driving around and stuff. So anyway, yeah. Cool, Tyler. Man, thanks for uh, taking time today yeah. and uh, chatting with us about your guilty pleasures. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. This was fun. Anytime, this dude. Was a really good time. That was Tyler Barstow. You can follow him at Tyler Barstow, all one word. And the company that he co-founded, which is awesome, is Vinyl Me Please. Go to VinylMePlease.com to sign up and follow them on Twitter as well at Vinyl Me Please. And uh, if you had to choose a cocktail for a record, what would it be and why, Steve? What would your cocktail record be? Hmm. Okay, so they recently released a really good um in my opinion um reissue of the fuji's the score right and i can't remember what the cocktail was but in my world what they should have done was they should have done a apricot shot mixed with apple pucker mixed with a side of ginger that that's that's the drink i would i would drink and then I would What's apple puke. pucker? Apple pucker? You don't know what apple pucker is? Is that like cheap vodka that... <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's apple-flavored vodka. And it's it's not just that it's apple-flavored vodka, but it, that it's like geared towards like just turning 20. It's like... It's like it's like 99, like 99 proof with like some candied tasting bananas or whatever. It almost tastes like um, the apple uh, Jolly Rancher. Like that's how sweet and like sickly... I think it's even bright green. Yeah, that's a drink I would drink. I saw that. the grossest uh, YouTube channel. It's like um those, like those tasty gifs where it's like someone making a meal and it like looks super easy to make. Uh, but it was like for alcohol. Hmm. It was like how to make uh, the craziest Jello shots ever, and they had one where it was like. Buy a one-pound gummy bear and then douse it in liquor, and it tastes great. And I'm like, oh no, it doesn't. That taste that sounds awful. <laughs> just imagine just eating a gummy bear, and you're like, oh, I can't wait to have this sweet flavor. And it's like my mouth is on fire. <laughs> That's like taking um a bag of gummy bears and like pouring like pouring out half in of vodka or whatever drink you wanted it to be, Zima. I don't even care. And just throwing the gummy bears in and like letting it soak oh, overnight yeah. and then eating the gummy bears. That's exactly what it was. Holy shit. And it was like the cheapest vodka ever. Oh my God. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. Why is it dangerous? Because one, it's going to be like um, a sleeper snack because you're like, mm, this is delicious. And then you're just wasting I mean, it eventually. A, you're going to taste the vodka. You are. B, it's just to make sure kids get their normal intake of liquor per day. Of course. Because that's what keeps them, you know, keeps them going. They have to. I mean, they're growing. They're growing up so fast. In fact, that's that's preferred. It's a preferred way to enter the the, the world of adulthood is is uh, sweet alcoholic treats. 
<laughs> what is it? It's not CPS, is it? What? Uh, when they take you away from the uh, your parents? Oh, child, child protective. Pro- yeah, yeah. Before CPS took me away from my uh, family, my mom was yelling, "Give him the gummy bears. He's a growing boy." Wow. She knew. Which is why I look like Michael Strahan right now, and I'm acting like him as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would... I can't even think of a drink. I, yeah. I'm not a cocktail person. Right. No, see, to me, I'd be like a pure whiskey guy, but yeah. I was just like, if I want to get weird, let's get weird. So I... <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a whiskey and vodka um, you cocktail. Muddle, I don't you think that's a thing. In there? Nope. Nope. That'd be really gross. Yeah, I'll have a, a mojito and just add some bourbon. Thank you. Uh, let me see. Can I please have a Budweiser mojito, please? <laughs> uh, the, you ever get those margarita beer things? I have. The those one, are never fun. The one with the actual... The one I did enjoy was the um, Corona. Rita? Corona Rita? You know what I'm talking about? So it was a combo of that. That I enjoyed. Uh, For people listening, can you explain what it is? I think, at least when I've experienced it, it's a huge bowl margarita like you normally would get with like salt and rocks. But then they decide, and I don't know who the fuck decided to do this. I think they take the like mini bottles of Corona Light or the mini bottles of Corona and they pour it and they kind of jam it in upside down. So the idea is you're drinking Corona mixed with lime juice and margarita yep and it's it's a good summer drink i respect it how about you can't do it no can't do tequila can't do tequila oh uh, see to get get you sick a couple times you had you had a gummy bear soaked in tequila a couple too many times wow that's what i that's all i ate growing up that's why <laughs> perfect <laughs> your what? mom your mom well you know what did your mom start with the tequila early instead of the vodka I, I repressed all those memories I see yeah before <laughs> child protective services probably <laughs> knocked it out of you too uh let me see what what uh what drink would i do um i think like everything i'm thinking about is too cliche and it's not even cool like uh like an old-fashioned and listening to like some jazz music but let's go. let's funk it up um i can't think of one yeah What's the um I'm fucking lame. <laughs> really lame, Steve. It's fine. It's totally fine. What were you about to ask? Well, I was gonna say, um, do you remember any of the really like stupid college shots? So like the like those the stoplight. So whatever red was, I can't fucking remember what red was. And then there was yellow and green. I think green was apple butter <laughs> and yellow. Red must have been some like gold, like cinnamon or could have been cinnamon or no. What's what's the Midori? Is Midori red? I don't know what Midori is. I think Midori, Midori, Midori is a uh, they put vodka and then a little Midori for the red. Okay, but that was like a stupid college shot that would basically get you sick. That was that, and then there's the Three Wise Men, which is the three um, known whiskeys. So that was Jack Daniels. And Jameson, and the third one was probably Jim Beam. Oh, God. Isn't that disgusting? Yeah. You do them bad, bad news. Um, and there's the blowjob shot, which all I remember about the blowjob shot is it had a little bit of whipped cream on the top, and yeah. you take it without hands. Do you ever do that? I No, I never did that. <laughs> I think I think that was designated for the ladies. It usually was, but 
I was you with did a, a blowjob shot? I was with a bunch of people at a, uh, somewhere in Canada. Did we, you do it without uh, your hands? I did. <laughs> now, I was also really drunk. Were you worried that you might choke on the shot glass? Absolutely. Because I would be of terrified. Of course. And imagine, like, how did Steve die? He was, he was doing a blowjob shot. He's like, really? That's how you go? That's how we go. Yeah. That, that was actually a legitimate fear when I was doing it. Because the other like girls how, had done it before. I like that you were drunk enough to do it, but yet realizing it that it was a bad idea. <laughs> I know. Your yeah. head was in a great place that day. It was. I think I think I um had drunken enough tequila that I wasn't gonna be sick. Mm-hmm. But I knew that like this last shot was gonna take me over the edge too. So Got it. Yeah. Well, we learned a lot about each other today. We did. We really did. I am not creative enough to come up with a drink for an album, and Steve has done blowjob shots before in Canada. Make that as you will. (laughs) Anyway, we'll be back next week on Guilty Mixtape. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.